the Pasuk tells us about the story of how Eliezer went to find the wife of Yitzchok. It tells us how Eliezer brings her back home with him and presents her to Yitzchok. And it tells us that Yitzchok marries her and the story ends happily that he brings her to the tent of Sarah. Chazal say on this that there was something special about Sarah's tent. Sarah's tent was a mini base Mikdash. We know that there are three nesim which happened in Sarah's tent. The candles remained lit. The dough remained fresh from one week to the next. And the Anan Ashkina was manifest above the tent. And if you think about it for a second, this is a prototype of all the miracles which we witnessed as Kai Yisrael in the Mishkan. The menorah which stayed at light, the lechem upon him, the bread on the shulchan which remained fresh, and the Anan Ashkina which remained on top of the Arun HaKodesh. The Ramban in his Haktama Tishmois already says that the tents of the Avos were basically a Mikdash. A Mishkan, a place which was sanctified, hallowed, Mekudosh to the level that the Shekhinah could rest there. That was the greatness of Sarah. And Rivka, when she marries Yitzchak, is brought into Sarah's tent. And Chazal Teras is brought in Rashi that the Nisim which were absent since the time of Sarah's passing returns. Once again the candle remained alight. Once again the dough remained fresh and once again the Shekhinah returned to rest above the tent of Rivka. And Rabbi I want to ask you a question. How old was Rivka when she came to Yitzchak? We know the Pasuk tells us after the Akedah, Avram found out about Rivka's birth. And the story here happened three years later when Yitzchak was 40 and Rivka was only three. And if that's the case, I want to ask, the level that Sarah reached, the Kedusha which was necessary to make her tent a repository of the Shekhinah, to be deserving of constant miracles. It must have taken years of work. And Rivka at three immediately was zeichet to the same nisim. What did Rivka do in such a short amount of time that her tent, so to speak, was as Kaddish? And the same miracles would take effect as they did in the tent of Sarah Imenu. So really, let's look again at the parasha of Rivka. And if we look closely, I think we'll see some amazing revelations which give us a window into understanding who Rivka really was. Firstly, When Avram sends his servant Eliezer to find a wife for Yitzchak, the criteria that Avram looks for, we know from Chazal, 
It should be about his chesed. Somebody who runs with alacrity to do chesed. Eliezer arrives with his ten camels and Rivka, after offering him a drink, offers to water his camels. And she runs to and from the well to draw enough water to feed ten camels. Where else in the Torah do we have a description of chesed, of a person running to do chesed, of somebody who put so much effort into doing chesed, besides for two examples. The first is the example of Avram Avinu. He welcomed his guests. And the second is the example of Rivka, when she went to help Eliezer. Eliezer comes back home with her and he proposes to her father, to her brother, to her family that she should come back with him to marry Yitzchak. To leave him behind. Rivka agrees to go. Think about it for a second. Does this not sound familiar to us? Someone has to leave their land, their father's house, the place that they know, and go to a strange country on their own. Was Rivka's Nisayan in agreeing to follow Eliezer and leaving Haran, her birthplace and her family, not reminiscent? Of Avraham Avinu's Lech Lecha? The other Imais never had this test. Sarah, when she traveled, traveled together with Avram. Rachel and Leah traveled together with Yaakov. It was only Rivka who had to leave her, leave her house, her family, and travel by herself. And just like with Avraham Avinu, after Lech Lecha, after arriving in Eretz Israel, he was confronted with the Nisayan. There was a famine. And what was the Nisayan? The Mepharshim explained that Avraham might have felt after I've gone to all this effort, after I've made such a sacrifice to follow Hashem to a strange land, to leave my family, my place, my country behind. So I would expect everything would work out perfectly. I would expect I'd be zeichet to tremendous success. And yet, after passing the test, I'm confronted with adversity. And yet, Abraham never doubted his decision. His emunah didn't waver. And if that was the Nisan of Abraham, then once again we find a parallel by Rivka. After agreeing to go to Eretz Israel with Eliezer and marry Yitzchak, which had never met. The Pasuk tells us that that very night her father dies. The next day it says her mother and her brother were there, not her father. Rashi tells us the Malach came and killed him. So after she had agreed to follow Eliezer and go to Eretz Israel, her father dies, a tragedy. 
And their family wants to rethink the decision. And they say to Eliezer, let the girl stay with us for a year. For ten months. And Rivka would be understood for saying, yeah, the circumstances have changed. I don't feel like I can leave right now. But she remains resolute in her decision. They asked her what she wants, but tell I'm going to go. The change in what circumstances, the setback, so to speak, didn't change her resolve. And if we look ahead to next week's Pasha, Pasha's told us, let's follow the remarkable career of Rivka. We know Abraham Avinu was told in a Nevoah what's going to be with his children, the Brisbane of Sarim, Vehemin Hashem. He trusted in Hashem and was considered a righteousness for him. And similarly, Rivka is told by Hashem, by the Novi Yomer Hashem La. Hashem tells us, Shnei goyim bevitnech, Ushnei leomi mimeaychi paredu. You have two future nations that you carry. Verav yavud soir. The old one will serve the younger. And in these three words, Rivka saw her life's mission. She have two sons, the ancestors of two nations. But the older would serve the younger. And therefore it was her duty to protect, to advance, to look after the younger, Yaakov. It was a formidable challenge. Yitzchak didn't feel that way. Yitzchak loved Esav. And Rivka had to work behind the scenes to make sure that Yaakov would be the one who would become the spiritual, so to speak, continuation to Yitzchak. And this brings us to the next Nisayan. Avram Avinu had the Nisayan that he had two sons. And he says himself he loved both of them. But he had to drive his oldest son out. Yishmael to protect Yitzchak. Yitzchak will be your continuation. It was a challenge for Avram. He loved Yishmael too. But he had to overcome that love for Yishmael in order to look after Yitzchak. And Rivka had the same new son. She was also the mother of two sons. And as a mother, she also loved both of them. But she had to do the same thing. She had to, so to speak, work against her older son. in order to protect the younger one. She had to make sure that Esau wouldn't receive the brachas, in order that Yaakov would. We found another point by Avraham Avinu. His mysterious nefesh. He was willing to give up his life. And we find something similar by Rivka too. Like we said, Rivka's mission... She felt to ensure Yaakov would get the brachas, even though Yitzchak wanted to get into Esav. And as we know, Rivka calls on Yaakov and says to him, I want you to go in. I want you to get the brachas instead. 
And Yaakov responds to her very logically. And he says to her, I'm not sure this is going to work. What happens if Yitzchak finds out that I'm not Esav? At the end of the day, he knows his sons. I don't feel like Esav. I don't sound like Esav. I'm not Esav. What's going to happen if Yitzchak wakes up to this deception? Says Yaakov to his mother Rivka, not only am I not going to get a bracha, but I'm going to get cursed instead. And that's not a simple proposition. Who knows what Chas V'Sharim Yitzchak Avinu's curse could do? So we understand Yaakov's hesitation. But now what's eye-opening is what's Rivka's answer to him? What he said is true. This might not work. It might, counter, it might be counterproductive. It might backfire. It might get a curse. What does Rivka say to him? Rivka doesn't say, don't worry, I'll make sure you don't get a curse. If he doesn't reassure him, Yitzhak would never curse one of his sons, or something to that effect. It's a possibility. If Yitzhak finds out he's been deceived, he might have cursed Yaakov. What does Rifka say to him? I'll take the curse. Whatever it's going to be, it's on me. I'll take the responsibility, I'll take it on myself. What an incredible thing to say. She doesn't even know what she's getting herself into. Does she know what Yitzchak's going to say to him? What the curse could be? And yet she's willing to take full achrayis for it. She's willing to take the, so to speak, carry the responsibility. A serious nefesh. If she felt her mission was to make sure that Yaakov would get the brachas, she was prepared to be most nefesh. Not just in being willing to take a curse. In a more practical sense as well. That was the last time that Rivka saw Yaakov. Because of the brachas, Rivka calls Yaakov and she says, your brother Esau wants to kill you, run. Run. And Yaakov leaves home and for the next 34 years of Rivka's life she doesn't see him again. What do we see from all of this? If you look at the Psukim, as we have done, we see a lot of parallels between Rivka and Avram Avinu. But it's more than that. Avram Avinu was the role model for Rivka to follow. When the Pasuk says, Ki adaptive, Hashem says, I know about Avram, that he will guide his children and his family after him to keep it Derech Hashem. Rivka was the Talmud of Avraham Avinu. She learned from him. And therefore, just like Avram's Nisyonis were the rungs and the ladder for Avram to climb, to become as great as Avram could become. Similarly, Rivka's Nisyonis became the rungs on the ladder for Rivka to climb. And if that's the case, it's an amazing thing. Yitzchok, in that sense, wasn't a Talmud of Avram. Yitzchok was an Av in his own right. And as an Av in his own right, he had his own challenges and he had his own path to forge in Avedas Hashem. 
For sure. The Emunah he learned from Avram. But the Nisyanus he had and the route he traveled was unique to Yitzhak. He was an Avon his own. But in this sense, Rivka was a Talmida. She learned from Abraham Avinu. There's a magnificent Chasim Sefer. The Chasim Sefer points out that all the Imaas of Klai Yisrael came from the same family. Sarah had a sister called Milka. Milka was the mother of Basul, like the Pasuk tells us, which means she was the grandmother of Rivka. And if that's the case, she was the great-grandmother of Rachel and Dev. Just like the Avos were related more directly, it was son after son, the Imos were related as well. Why? Says the Chassam Sefer, if the role of the Avos was to be leaders, was to be trailblazers, if each Av was meant to be forging a new path in Avodah Hashem, then the role of the Imos was to follow them. To be the ones to, to so to speak, go in the footsteps of their husbands, of the Avos. And to turn, in each case, the dream and vision of the of the husband of that of into reality. When Avraham was told to go to Eretz Canaan, Sarah was by his side. When he wanted to establish his Aishel, she was the one to prepare for it. Where did that schus come from? Chasim Sefer says, we know the very first son of Avraham Avinu. When he challenged the king Nimrod, and Nimrod gave him an ultimatum, bow down to my idols or you'll be cast into the furnace. And Avraham stood strong. And he was cast into the furnace of Orkastim and he emerged unscathed. But there's a sequel to the story. Avram had a younger brother called Haran. And Haran was witness to this. And when Avram emerged alive, miraculously Haran says, I'm also following Avram. I also am willing to be thrown into the furnace. And he was. But Haran got consumed by the flames. Vayamus Haran Says the Chasim Sefer. That's true. That Haran did not have the merits to deserve a miracle. But we can't take away from him that he was most nefesh. He gave up his life to die for the moon of Avram. What reward did Haran get? And the answer? All the Imois of Klai Yisrael were the descendants of Haran. Sarah was his daughter. Milka was his second daughter. Which means Rivka was his great-granddaughter and Rachel never was great-great-granddaughters. 
Why? Because he was the first one to show that mysterious nefesh to follow Avram. And therefore his reward, all the Imois, whose job was to follow the footsteps of the Avos, were his descendants. An amazing idea. That's also the goddess of Rivka. She also followed the footsteps of Avram. She followed Yitzchak too. But her mahalach in life, she learned from Avram. And if that's the case, let's go back to the question we started with. What did Rivka do to deserve the miracles that were prevalent, that were present in Sarah's tent, to begin by her when she was only three? So let's look together at something Rabbi Yonah has to show each other. The Shara Shani, what he calls the Derech HaShlishi. He says when a person hears from Chachamim and he takes to heart what they're saying, He accepts everything that they rebuke him. He's not going to leave out anything that they tell him to do. This person, in a small moment of time, has gone from darkness to a great light. Why? The moment that he listens and hears, and his heart understands, he does trivia, and he accepts that he heard the words of the one rebuking him. And he accepts to do from now on everything that the, those that uphold the Torah require him to do, instruct him to do. And to be aware of, be careful of those things that they warn him not to do. Also, it's already he's done. He's a change to a new person. And not only that, once a person in his mind has decided, I'm going to accept to do what I'm told to do, and he's finalized in his heart that he's going to carry it out, he's already got the merit of all the mitzvahs. He's been matzik himself. He's made himself a tzadik in a small hour. And he explains it to Rabbi Yon in the Mishnah, which says, a person whose actions are more than his chachmah is miskayim. How can a person's actions be more than his chachmah? How can a person do more than he knows? And he says, he hasn't done yet. But a person who's makabal in himself, faithfully, the Torah which he's going to get taught, he already has a schar of all the mitzvahs. Not just the ones he knows about. The ones he's heard about. The things he hasn't yet heard about. How does he get schar in that? Because he's makabal to do them. Okay, Yisrael, 
When they said Naisa, they already got the schar for everything. They accepted to do what they knew about and even what they didn't know about. And therefore we see Yisrael Rabbein Yonah. A real Kabbalah Samitzis. A real acceptance to do. Can bring a person to the level that they get rewarded even on what they haven't yet done. If there's an MS Tekka Kabbalah, if there's a real resolve, then Berega Cotton, like Rabbein Yonah says, in one moment, a person can already get the schar for all the things he's going to make in the future. Similar to a ger. A ger is makayim themselves to makayim the whole Torah. And they deserve to be part of Klai Yisrael. He brings the Chazal. And so when Klai Yisrael heard Moshe's instruction, they went and they did it. They couldn't have done everything right away. But they accepted everything Moshe told them to do. And when they went to do it, it was, accepted, it was considered in Shemayim as if they already had. And if that's the case, we come back to explain Rivka. Rivka's goal in life was to follow the path of Abraham. Whether it was with Chesed, Mysterious Nefesh, or any of the other Nisiyanas she went through. Rivka's goal, she was macabre to follow the path of Abraham. And if that's the case, right from the beginning, if she had the real resolve to do that, then it was Nechshel like she already did. And as soon as she was brought into Yitzchak's tent, she already had the Malus. She already had the Nisim happen. Because when a person really accepts to do something, it's Nechshel if they had already achieved it. And therefore, from the beginning, she was already Zeicha to all the Nisim which characterized the tense of the emos. The candle which remained alight, the challah which remained fresh, and the shechina which hovered constantly over her tense.